This week on Kettle of Fish, contortionist Bonnie Morgan stops by to talk about being twisted up in knots. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, guys, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the non or the all fun, no politics laughter show, where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, models, and now contortionists about life, love, and the creative process. I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the top of Meth Mountain. And I want to introduce my flexible, impressionable, bisexual, terrestrial producer, the girl who untangles all of tin cans very complicated strings d the soon-to-be agt superstar prizer no pressure yes, i know right no pressure at all i'm just gonna mention it every single time now um that's kind of a tongue twister there right i mean i'm I into tongue I... twisters peter Piper peck to pick a purple pe- peter Piper peck the purple <laughs> i see i used to be able to do it Give it up. Peter Piper okay. picked a pack of purple pickle peppers. A pack of purple pickle peppers. Peter Piper picked. If Peter Piper picked a pack of purple pickle peppers, where's the pack of purple pickle peppers? Peter Piper picked. I always thought it was a pack. There of peppers. There you go. Just, just saying. I always thought it was a pack of peppers. Don't mess with my groove, man. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose. On purpose. Uh, yeah. So AGT. So everybody, keep an eye on tincan.media. That's not .com. It's real simple. Just type in tin can, a little dot media and hit enter and poof you're there um so we are going to record as much as they will allow us before and after my audition i have a 10 a.m audition time and i can honestly say i've been working pretty hard i had um um like a 2.8 octave range three weeks ago and i have pushed that to just over three octaves thank you very much working hard you're awesome. flying towards like ronnie james dio jeff tate territory well from right DO now and i currently have the identical range of aretha franklin so i'm pretty proud of that i'm like yes. nice we yep. need an applause button Woo! Huzzah! <laughs> All right, let's get Fern in here. I also want to introduce a girl who bends over backwards for the ones she loves, fight against those who would contort the truth, and refuses to be shoved into any box. Fern, the moist voice heart. Fern, you know, are you excited it, today? I actually am. I've actually been limbering up for today's episode. Um, I, I are you did doing a like bend. a Rocky montage or one of those 80 yeah. montages? No, like I always considered myself pretty flexible until um, I saw our today's guest and I was like, oh, there's like, this is like hashtag life goals right here. Right. Um, I did a back bend yesterday and I was pretty proud of that. And I can, you know, I can put my feet on the ground. I can put my hands between my feet and behind my feet. And that's pretty good. But man, this next guest is, uh, wow. Yeah, there was a time my daughter wanted to be a contortionist and now she wants to be a WWE diva and wrestle. But um, she used to watch contortionist videos all the time. Yes, and she can yeah. still stand right next to the kitchen table, and she'll take one foot and pull it behind her and stick it on the table. 
And while I applaud her tenacity, I have to tell her, no feet on the table. We eat here. She'll also bend her arm in this weird way that doesn't even look like it should be human and try to gross us out. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, God, okay, that's that's good. That's really, really good. But just, just no feet on the table and make sure that you can twist oh, yourself out. Oh, and by the, the way, I'm fancy today. I just trimmed my goatee and mustache. My mustache hairs were poking me in my lip. And I was like, too long. Can't have this going into this um, chat today. Sense. So I am What about all- your toenails? Did you tri- trim your toenails or do you like tick, tick, tick when you walk down the hall? Do you no. look like you could swoop out of the sky and catch your dinner or are your toenails like <laughs> you all nice and and neat? I am so freaking lazy. I'll cut my fingernails, but because I have to like lift my leg up or sit down and like kind of do a cross leg to cut my toenails, I'm so lazy with it. I never – here's the litmus test for when I'll cut my toenails. When they start snagging my blanket and I roll over and they pull my blanket <laughs> off me because it will get snagged in my toenail, then I'll cut my toenails. But only when they're long enough, they snag my blankets. I am immediately regretting asking that question. Like, immediate regret. Pictures and flow charts <laughs> and my whole ritual for toenail cutting, yeah, time see, frames. See all the can that. of worms you opened. Good job. Yeah, oh, opened yeah. This box, and today's guest may be popping out of it. But before we get Bonnie in here, Dee, who do we have coming up on TinCan.media? So, in addition to the regular Life is Hard and Padula show, and I think we've got a new Bath Talks going up today. And all of those other things. Um, on Musical Osmosis, our next one, we're going to have our buddy Al from The Pist is coming back. And he's actually playing in November in near Baltimore. Is that right? Yes. In Baltimore. At the sidebar. In Baltimore. So we're probably going to go see him and, and record a little bit with him as well. But uh, we're going to have him on the next Musical Osmosis. And on upcoming episodes, we are going to have John Hall from King Missile. And Steve Moriarty from The Gits is coming back to join us. Actually, um, Suzanne Santo just wrote me from Honey Ooh. Honey. And she's on that new, I think it's on Comedy Central show. Her her and her brother always play at the end. Oh, what is oh, it? The Guest the Book. The Guest Book. Yeah, from Greg um, Garcia, who did Raising Hope and My Name is Earl. Yay. So she actually just wrote me about an interview, too. So we'll probably have her on sometime very I soon. I love that show. Um, and, of course, next week we are going to have the always funny and sometimes a little serious humorist Dylan Brody is going to uh, be back with us as well Fern's as so intimidated she's like oh i'm matching wits with dylan brody the smartest guy out there <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a big brain look it's a little intimidating a big, brain. big brain super intimidating especially mm-hmm. on a political show you know it's it's good though like you know i always say if you want to be the best you got to run with the best and you know that it does nothing there, yeah. but improve you know your your thought process and dylan Dylan is is coming from kind of a, you know, like a Mike Bushman. I kind of compare him Mm -hmm. to him, like outside of the box, not along party lines, uses logic, like takes facts into consideration, psychology. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's a really interesting, good conversation. It's definitely definitely worth a listen. He is he's pretty amazing. Totally agree. I always like to walk out of a room smarter than I walked into it. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to talking to them. Yes. And uh, right after that episode, we are going to have the mind behind the art and mind of Renato Jones and the One Percent. Uh, Car Andrews will be joining us, and I. It, this is only like the second comic book, or I don't know if you call him a comic book artist. He's a graphic novel art. 
that kind of he's an artist and writer and he also did the revamp of iron fist the living weapon which i don't even like iron fist but i love the version of iron fist that Carr did yeah i've got to read those this week because you know me a comic book lasts about five minutes in my hands so i've kind of been putting it off because i want it to be fresh yeah it's almost osmosis with you you read so fast i do i'm just like fairyland more fairyland Ah. uh yeah but he's gonna be on next week and um, today will probably be one of my favorite episodes. I, I can't lie. Um, I've been watching a lot of videos. We watched Rings the day before yesterday, finally, um, which was good. And then I was watching some Knott's Berry Farm Halloween Elvira's Big Top stuff um, and watching... Um, the 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 porcelain doll or the doll you know skit um done by the morgans and just all kinds of things all kinds of stuff and i'm just like how and you had sent me a video of that too and i never got to watch it because the account you sent me from unfortunately Ugh. facebook shut it down of course um long story short this is the first person who i've ever seen do some of these things like i know some people can fit themselves in a box and you know on i think it was last season there was sophie who was a contortionist and she was amazing this is like this is some pro level like nine thousand kind of stuff we're in the matrix now we are in the matrix so today we are having somebody who i've she's just amazing just amazing we've got bonnie morgan on today and i'm i'm thrilled i'm just thrilled bonnie how you doing Wowie zowie was that an introduction hi guys what is up? You know, I want to pull back the curtain here a little bit for the listeners because the other day I had oh talked to you on the phone and we had literally talked a little bit about everything, including the kitchen sink. How was sink hunting? Sink hunting? Oh, marvelous. Let me tell you, my dad and I were deep in the bayous of North Hollywood with our with our sink gator bag and we snuck up on it. We haven't actually uh, made the, the selection, but we've penned a couple of them and intend to release the rest back into the wild as soon as we've put one into the corner. Nice. Because that's what you do with sinks. Well, you know, on yeah, the call, I was t- telling you this. I went down the bendable, bendy, Bonnie rabbit hole, and I've really immersed myself in all things Bonnie Morgan. And you're kind of... Things will be upside down and red backwards. Hey, I have no problem with that. You are actually like living my dream. And I kind of told you on the phone. Yeah, because, you know, I love Stephen Root and I love like John C. Riley, and I love these people who are out there in the ether and they don't have one big like if I ask the average person, do you like Stephen Root? They wouldn't know who that is, but he's freaking everywhere. And he's in, in he's involved in he's got his hands in so many pies. And I really love what you do. Yeah, I mean, amazing across the board. Boardwalk Empire, News Radio. I mean, I, I gotta can... say though, most of that guys wind up exploding so huge. It's like for the longest time, my gosh, uh, Kevin Spacey was a classic that guy, and those of us who loved him early, I was like, you know, that guy in the ref, that guy, he was in that movie Outbreak. Like, oh yeah, I remember him. And so, stay, stay tuned. Stephen Root will very soon not be a that guy. Well, I mean, but how do you feel about kind of being that girl? You have your separate life over here, as um, Dee was mentioning about Knott's Berry's Not Scary Farm and contortionism <laughs> and all of that. But 
and I had told you on the phone, I was going through your IMDb, and there's so many um, credits here that are just contortionists. You are on Blunt Talk. You're on all these shows. You are so intertwined, like, in the mythos of entertainment. George Lopez. I mean, I can't believe when I'm going through this IMDb, how much you've been involved in. Sister, Aww, sister. Shucks. Shucks, indeed. But you were on my um, – it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And I was like, well, who's Bonnie? Like, where? how's Bonnie and Ed? I don't remember. And then I go back and Google it on the Google machine, and you're at the wedding massacre, and you're on bath salts and all contorted. And I was like, uh, like I had a fucking V8. Like, yeah, bam, of course. Yeah, said, oh, that one looks like it's going to eat itself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I bet, man. And it's just, how do you feel about being involved in so many things are you a person who's striving to be a household name or are you very very happy having your fingers in all these pies and kind of having interwoven like in this tapestry of so many different things and projects you know i'm happy to be gainfully employed to be honest um working is a great place to be my dad always used to tell me follow your success and you'll get your dream i uh i started out as a kid actor just Straight up, very normal, headshot, breakdown, actor. And uh, being in the, the circus family that I, thank God, have been born into, I discovered that I happen to have a, a strange superpower. Not quite, you know, nuclear level, nuclear waste level uh, superpowers, but superpower nonetheless. You're not giving yourself enough credit. I would put it on a nuclear waste, radioactive. Yeah. Radioactive okay. Bonnie. My gosh, I could have been the most epic bur- cat burglar. <laughs> I mean, really, my my villainy would have been epic and for glory. However, I was taught in the circus to use my powers for good, mostly, unless you know it's really, really, really funny. <laughs> but um, so all of a sudden, contortion was just something to put on a resume, just something else you could do. Like, oh, by the way, if this comes up, I can do that, and it started to eclipse but it was moreover we need a contortionist who can talk which there are many fine wonderful amazing contortionists out there they're just not generally actors they're they're not generally paper trained as i am and you know you make a good point you do come from a a long line of performers when you were growing up was it just kind of like a foregone conclusion you and your sister were going to be in the entertainment arena or was there a time bonnie morgan wanted to be a tax accountant oh no that would have been the greatest disappointment to my father ever we used we used to say if you want to disappoint dad become an accountant ah i think i nailed it huh fern Right on the head, right smack on the head. It's like we talked about this earlier. Mm. Yeah, well, that's awesome, though. My parents put both my sister and I into this, you know, just because it was a family business. I think if, like the Marx Brothers, if our family had been lawyers, my sister and I would probably be pushing paper and yelling at people on stands. But we are actors, circus folk. This is the family business it's what we know and do so i came to an age of reason i kind of woke up with a career more or less that is awesome i, I was, mean and I like was an I, oscar meyer wiener kid oh my god i love don't, it don't take don't take that the wrong way seriously like don't take that the wrong way everybody loves oscar meyer no i mean and it's so fun because i i told nick i was like i want their house like really i i you just can come over anytime <sighs> love you 
Yeah, well, it's like a thousand miles, so you know, eventually. But um, yeah, I told him. Find yourself. I know. Find yourself out here, and you don't feel like going to the beach. Be like, let's go to the giant pink and purple castle instead. That'd be way more fun. Uh, (laughs) Oh man, when my dad repainted. The house is blue. The house is turquoise Mm. blue with pink and purple trim. Mm. And my sister pulled up and looked at it, and she fell out of her car laughing. She went, Dad, you painted the Barbie Dream Castle. Yeah. Only, you know, real size and more awesome because, you know, there's a hurdy-gurdy and all these other things. Yeah, I read up. I was like, I had to Google. I was like, what the hell's a hurdy-gurdy? And then I Google it, and I'm like, okay, I want a hurdy-gurdy. Like, seriously? I need this in my life. Yes. Everyone should have a hurdy-gurdy. Exactly. It, it makes dramatic situations a little less awful. Yeah, and everybody it, should have is, a castle. Is it just me or any listeners out there wondering what a hurdy-gurdy... Can we explain what a hurdy-gurdy is? Because it I is am an, completely <laughs> ignorant to what a hurdy-gurdy well, is. It's a musical way, instrument. like an, what an organ grinder and his monkey play. Yeah. Or uh, a calliope, or one uh, of those things that... I love those. You put a dime in, and it goes boop, 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 boop. Ours is ours is a small hand crank one. It's not like the palatial epic Disneyland one with the the banjo and the cymbal inside of it. But I'm pretty. Happy I just with felt it. the heat from all the light bulbs going off everywhere. Like everybody was like, "Oh, that okay? I know what yes. that is. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe not." No, no, that's how I felt because I was like. I don't know what that is, and D does. I'm going to have to like secretly like message her like, what, "What is that?" Like really, I googled. I I googled and I was like, "Google oh, saves yeah. us all." Well, I mean, Amen. and but that's how some things are. Like you just don't realize how cool some things are. I got Nick a theremin a few years back, and uh-huh. my kids were like, "What the hell's a theremin?" And I was and I was like, you know, the thing at the beginning of Star Trek. You think it's a woman, but it's not. <laughs> Exactly. So now we've got one of the. So now we need a hurdy gurdy to. Hey, that was pretty impressive. That was. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I am an analog theremin. Nice, nice. Yes. Among your many other talents, you know that brings up a good point too. You uh-huh. have such a legacy, and I'm going to use the word legacy here as I scroll through uh-huh. all things Bonnie Morgan. What like what uncharted waters have you not gone into yet? I mean, do you have any interest in directing? Do, is there other things you want to challenge yourself with? Or are you just having the so joke is much always, fun? What I really want to do is direct, but everyone finds that funny except for directors. Right, right. So, uh-huh. is there something else you want to do? You know, or are you I just am, having fun and living performer. a life? I'm having fun. I'm living a life. I I don't think I would necessarily be be a bad director. I've taken the helm on a couple of things, nothing that I could put on IMDb. But at the same time, it's one of those things that so many people are jammed in. I kind of go, have it, guys. Have fun. I am totally happy over here playing. So... Uh, that makes sense. I get into voice to voices. I've been doing um, animal foley for a very long time, so it's not a far jump, but you know. Oh my He's going to drive our chickens crazy. I don't know if you could hear when we're on the phone the chickens in the background. We got a big coop of no, chickens they, here. They don't you got to jump in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I grew up with chickens. I grew up with animals. My dad is this really eccentric, awesome guy, and he loves animals. So, really, whatever we thought up, it was like, oh, my gosh, can we get a hedgehog? Dad would go, 
Okay. Sure. And my mom is just awesome and an angel. And she was like, what are we getting now? Where is it going to live? Oh, okay. When we got the ferret, it was like, sure. We kind of went, wow, this works out really well. Can I go back in time and, like, move in with you guys, like, when I was a kid? Because that's just exactly, like, every animal ever. Like, those Sarah McLaughlin commercials, I was like, I want to bring them all home. Oh, my God. Or I'd see some (laughs) cute thing, like, driving by. You'd see, you know, some giant poster for the zoo, and they'd have some new animal. I'm like, oh, sure. I want those. Yeah, yeah. And my dad would totally research it, too. Like, certain things would be like, hey, can we get one of those? You'd go, you know, those are protected. That, that one's going to be tough to get into the country. I was like, really? Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Well, I, you know, when I dated um, April, who very much kind of reminds me of you, Bonnie, she, we had a ton mm-hmm. of animals in an apartment. We weren't supposed to have any animals. And I would, like, get up in the middle of the night to get in the bathroom and step on a hedgehog and then fall over into a birdcage. And then six cats and a ferret would run away. And it was, like, she loved animals as well. So I'm used to living in, in that environment when I lived with April. And it just seems like the more creative somebody is, the more they tend to gravitate towards little creatures and animals and things like that critters thank you perfect word um i do a lot of politics you know me and fern do a political show it's very toxic it gets very heated and you put out oh yeah i know it's hard to believe but politics my goodness (laughs) yeah and i don't see that on your page and a lot of the creative people we have we did a show summer of fun and i just had the fun people on the show because i think what you do is so vital and i always give to like go fund me's and stuff and i'll post it on my page and i mean this i'm like art is more important now the arts are more important now than ever because there's so much bad going on at least in our face I don't think mm-hmm. that art's ever been more important than it has been, at least in my lifetime, as it is right now. It's essential. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Albert Einstein. There you go. Fern, I mean, you know it. You've seen all of the um, toxicity around the political stuff we do, and that's why what Bonnie does, I mean, yeah, the world needs so more Bonnie. Well, that's the, you know, that's the nice thing to hear is that... Well, it's great to hear that your parents are so supportive because, you know, I've talked to people, you know, we've we've talked to people on the show, but we've also, you know, just in general life where people are just like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to, you know, be an artist or I want to go into the arts in some realm form, music, art, um, you know, acting, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, they come from a family that's a little more you know, reg- they're like they're the accountant family. So it's it's yeah, so nice yeah. to hear that you have that support and, you know, the freedom to be able to, you know, really express yourself throughout your life and feel free to do that. My daughter is, you know, very much into art, very much into drawing. She wants to be an artist. And I'm like, you know, if that's what you want to do, baby, then, you know, commit and do it. I don't need her to be an accountant. I don't need her to be a lawyer. I need her to be who she is and feel free to express herself without feeling like somebody is holding her back from her passion. So I think passion is a big motivating factor. You're a really good mom. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But I think it's great that you had that support. And that's, you know, what you do is amazing. And the support system you have is amazing. And I would just say to anybody out there, just support your children and let them flourish and support your friends and just let them flourish. It might not be your bag, but they're passionate. Let it go, man. As long as it's making the world good, let it go. Well, speaking of family, is a Morbid Sisters, is that still happening? Is that still around? Because I couldn't find any, <laughs> like, really that's, recent. Are you kidding? That's a daily occurrence. 
Really? What, what are you guys doing? My sister ah. had a little boy, and that has been taking a lot of her attention. My delicious nephew, Theodore Barnum. Oh, I Very love nice name. Naturally, the act isn't broken up, but she's definitely, uh, you know, a food source. Mm. As it goes. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. But the, um, the man who helped us shoot and direct all of those is this incredible man named Mike Schmidt. And we were in a comedia troupe with him from the time I was a teenager. He still writes all of our shows that we do. We still do shows out of the Renaissance Fair. I direct the comedia troupe at the original Renaissance Fair in Irwindale when it's on nice. in April. And, um, so you so, can't sit still then. You're not a person who could ever just like sit and watch TV for four hours. Unless there's cartoons on. Yeah, well, yes. of course. <laughs> I, watch a lot of, I watch a lot of cartoons. Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes. My my dad says I have spilkis. It's it's a Yiddish word for like ants in your pants. Just a lot of energy. Keep going. That's like a good it. thing to have. And gotta love the Yiddish, right, Fern? I was kicking some Yiddish, Yiddish last week on the show. Yeah, I was like, is that North we Korean? Alive and well in the Ozarks. Nice. Well, I'm going to enjoy that then. Oh, another thing. I've got to bring this up. It just popped in my head because I thought it was funny. I was looking through your IMDb. You were in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and I thought it was funny because you were a who, but it says next to you uncredited, but they gave the character a name. You are Puddinghead Who, which is one of the greatest three words together I've ever heard in my life. Puddinghead Who. Oh, my good. Puddinghead was delightful. I, I was... That. I was a Who down in Whoville for three months, almost four. It was such a rare delight. There are certain movies that you get to do. When you walk on that set, you go, I'm one of about 200 people that actually get to say we walked these streets. My dad was in Hook. He got to be in, on that pirate ship. When I was a kid, he oh, brought nice. me to visit. And it was the same. When I brought my dad to visit Whoville, he said, this is your Hook. Wow, that is intense. Yeah, I haven't had my Whoville or Hook yet. I can't even imagine what that experience is like. It delights the soul. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna babble and sound stupid the way people do when they try to describe something that you can't describe. And I was also on it with a lot of my friends, a ton of stunt people who I who raised me practically. Svetla Krastova, the stunt coordinator was Charlie Crowell, Pat Banta, and all the other denizens of Whoville were former Ringling Brother clowns and people that I'd known. I mean, I was I was little. They all kind of took me by the hand and walked me through to some degree. Oh, that's so cool. And did you get to, like, hang out with Jim Carrey and have that whole experience, or was those shots pretty separate? A little bit. He was there. He was definitely there, but he was very method Grinch. <laughs> nice. He was also really, really hot and uncomfortable, so God bless him. He got through it. But there was the one day, we all walk on set, we're, and it was, it's a lot of makeup. We were in a minimum of an hour and a half of makeup every day. Wow. Was a lot more, but all the Who's makeup was a minimum 90-minute process, sometimes more, sometimes a lot more, depending on the day, depending on the makeup. And we get there, we're all in our, you know, our big Who bellies and our crazy Who hair like we did. And the Grinch is 
awake a little earlier than I'm used to seeing him up. And he's standing there, and he's, you know, he's got his hands in the the shape of a a mat box, and he's looking around like he's looking through a through a camera at everybody. I'm going, that's kind of weird shtick. It's like, you know, it's early. It is so early. And he's just up on his feet looking around, and finally his hands kind of reach my face. He goes, oh, good morning, Bonnie. Kind of went, Jim is not that chipper in the morning. Mm. And I'm looking at him, and this Grinch is a little bit shorter than our Grinch. And now I'm hearing him talk to his VP and a couple other people. Oh, my gosh, it's Ron. Ron Howard, the night before, was talking to Ginger. was like, you wouldn't last a day in this makeup. And he went, oh, really? All right, then. (laughs) The gauntlet was thrown down. And he threw down. He got the makeup on, wore the gloves all day, and spent a day directing in the Grinch makeup. Oh, I love that so much. I was like, that is a man who serves in the trenches. And, and it was awesome. at the end of the day, it was like, all right, now we both know. I was like, wow! Go right and it's great you say trenches, because one of the things, there's two things that really aggravate me, and I've been speaking out about this for a long time on the show. One oh, is when so somebody fun. speaks out, when somebody has a political opinion that happens to be in the arts, and people are like, just shut up and entertain me. And the other... That Hollywood is just one giant cocktail party, and everybody's just kind of floating through and not actually working their asses off. And I know the hours you guys work. I know the heavy makeup. I know the dedication, the commitment, remembering lines. I mean, I haven't been there myself, but I've talked to enough people in entertainment to know the incredibly mountainous amounts of work you guys do. And it really irks me when people just try to play it off. Oh, you just show up, and you're just a who, and then you just leave it two in the afternoon and and have the rest of your day and it's not like that at all nope nope every job has its challenges but uh the heavy makeup jobs definitely are you're the first one in and the last one out and i gotta say the makeup team is there earlier and later than we are i mean really these are these are incredible people and yeah some more than others and some are pampered more than others. I guess it's like anything. There, I'm sure there's politicians who have a, a much more luxurious way of going about things and have set their lives and careers up so they can just walk in, do and say what they need to do and leave. And there are others who are rolling up their sleeves and helping put chairs away. It's the same in anything. So... Yeah, and I always tell people, like, this magic that you see on the screen when somebody's excited for eight months about the new Star Trek movie or Terminator movie, this magic doesn't happen because a bunch of people are just phoning it in. This magic happens because people are working their asses off to make it happen, to entertain people. So I think Hollywood sometimes gets a bad rap, and it just aggravates me a little bit. Uh I appreciate that. Yeah, I I absolutely believe it. Fern, you wanted to get in here? Hi, Fern. No, I just, I was listening to you talk about being on set with with your father on Hook and how, you know, incredible that was. And then I, you know, kind of made the connection because I know you did stunt work for Peter Pan. And I was like, wow, like, what must have been going through your mind when you, when you did stunt work for Peter Pan, like remembering like the hook situation, like how that had to have been like, oh my God, like oh, this it, is an awesome experience. Circle. It came such full circle. It's funny. I, uh, that was incredible. And for the record, my dad was also on that feature. 
Right. My dad was there uh, training the kids in sword fighting and all of that, and I was doing stunts for Wendy and for Peter in his big, uh, we called it the five wrap, the, the throw into the cargo net in the Black Castle. Oh, so I yeah. did come in and yep. was, I was there for, for a year. I wow. lived in Surfer's Paradise in, uh, on the Gold Coast of Australia and lived there for a year. And my dad was on that job with me. That was one of the most incredible family, hardworking experiences in life. I bet. Yeah, so, so Not incredible. And I love hearing these stories. I mean, these are the things that kind of light a fire under me and inspire me to always like try to up my game and do good interviews and speak with people. And I don't even consider them interviews, just conversations and, and sure. get the, you know, get listeners out there to kind of understand the world that Bonnie Morgan comes from, that it's not all just cocktail parties that you guys are out there working. But let me shift gears <laughs> here real quick. I watched this video incredible video guinea's book of world record video um from the program <laughs> you and your fellow contortionists uh daniel smith and leslie tipton um you guys get shoved you know you shove yourself into a small box i'm terrible with measurements but i looked them up at 66 by 55 by 68 centimeters you guys were shoved in this tiny little box for two minutes and 55 seconds <laughs> broke the world's record do you still that hold that record Set and we broke. We do, do you- indeed. We set and broke. We originated the record in Los Angeles, and we broke it in Madrid and Paris. Nice. Wow. How do you originate something like that? Like that record never even existed? No one even attempted that before you guys? Many, many records are come up with by the people who set them, actually. And, uh, yeah, that was a fun and strange collaboration and the three of us did stuff ourselves into basically a microwave box. Yeah, it is insane. I encourage everybody to go watch this video, especially the guy who like twists himself in half and like Daniel sticks Browning the. Daniel uh, Browning Smith, he's fantastic. Yeah. That was that was superhero. That was like Mister Fantastic from um, Fantastic Four. That was crazy. <laughs> Unless you're claustrophobic, then if you're claustrophobic, this video will terrify oh, yeah, you because it's not just one person in a box. It's three people in a box. But here was my favorite part of that. Not, I mean, I was amazed that three people got into this box to begin with. That's, that's freaking awesome. I was amazed that you, you broke the world record. But here's the cool thing. It started to get a little sultry in there, started to get a little steamy, and you're making smiley faces on the top of the box. That was so fun. <laughs> it was so great. I was like, this is awesome. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was warm in that jungle. Oh, I bet. Um, (laughs) I have to say, they were both lovely. Leslie is a very serious contortionist. A lot of contortionists are very serious. I'm kind of a goober even amongst my kind. I mean, you see them. They are Russian. They are beautiful. They are artistic. I'm a... I'm a goob when it comes to this stuff. (laughs) And then it's kind of like... There you go. The, I love it. the clown comedy, comedy contortionist. Now, it's funny because you were saying, how is it to wear a lot of hats? I enjoy my life and all the various things in it, but it is tough because in this business, you really can only be one thing. And that is tough. You have to be very careful in your choice of words. I've gone into meetings that went very well when someone went, aren't you that contortionist? 
I kind of went, oh, here it comes. The labels are dangerous. I said, I I do that as well. I'm a, I am a trained contortionist. And I heard someone whisper, she's just a stunt girl. I went, oh, gosh, that's it. That's it. If Aww. you are not, you, and it's not even you're just an actress. No, you have to be. There have been many people in my life who've told me, you, can't, you have to drop the stunt. You have to drop the, the contortion. You are not a contortionist. You are an actress. I kind of went, but I do all of those things, and I'm good at them, and I'm respected in each of those communities. I've been invited to, to the Stunt Women's Association, to United Stunt Women, and I was honored by those invites. These are incredible women. And I didn't at the time because I was pursuing my acting career, and I knew if I shifted my focus entirely to one of my other careers that I would not be pursuing the one that I want the most. Yeah, and it's funny because... Or that I may be best suited to. So like you said, I look at your IMDb and you see contortionist, 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 and I can hear those couple of people shaking their heads going, don't let them call you that. But you know what? Like my dad says, follow your success and God willing, you'll get your dream. And I believe that as well. And Fern had sent me an article this week, actually, in Variety about stunt women and the pay gap and the work gap and, you know, how they're completely marginalized. And they even have a term, you know, oh, that's ND work and it's no dames work. And I'm like, well, is this like an episode of the Little Rascals, like, treehouse? No girls allowed? Like, I was well, kind of blown away well, that there was the day, such a there stigma. Were no stunt women. Back in the day before stunts got credit, there were stuntmen put on wigs and dresses, and it was yeah. buttoned up, and women couldn't do do stunts. And uh, Jeannie Epper and Paula Bolsoms were two of the original. Jeannie Epper, who is a true pillar of the community, uh, she was Wonder Woman stunt double. She did all of the, the flying and jumping and fighting. Wow. Oh, yeah, she's Zoe Bell's mentor. That is awesome. Well, Fern, you're the one who sent me that article, and you were passionate about it, and we even touched on this. We had Tony McFar on here not too long mm-hmm. ago, and we kind of touched on the same subject, but I hadn't gone that deep into it until you sent me that Variety article. Well, and here's the thing that bothers me about that, because when we were talking to Tony, that was the other thing that I looked at. I was like, these, these guys, you know, men and women, they get zero credit or zero chance at an Academy Award. And I think if you're doing costume design, music, you know, supporting roles, all that stuff, like yeah, stunt right. people yeah, deserve to have that. We say have what? The stunt community has been petitioning via the Academy for an award. And the Academy came back and said, the Academy of motion picture arts and sciences has deemed that stunts is neither an art nor a science. Ugh. Oh, that my sucks. elbow. Have you and the men and women who do pipe ramps? It's it's all math and science and I mean, just recently and, there was a, a stunt woman that that died in a I think in a, a car stunt. Oh. And, you know, which is which is terrible. And, you know, I was just looking at how how lopsided this is just in the stunt community versus the Academy Awards to begin with. And then doing the research on women in the stunt community, I was surprised to see that, you know, with the Stunt Association, there's no 
female members listed. Now, there's, there's like six honorary memberships for like Lucille Ball and some others, but there's no she real... in there. Well, I'm sorry. That is because they are fraternities and sororities, more or less. The Stunt Men's Association. Um, there's also the Stunt Women's Association. Ah. So that gotcha. there actually there actually are wonderful women stunt groups. That's good. There are probably more men's. There's, of course, Brand X and Stunts Unlimited. The Stunt Men's Association was the first, and there. There's USA, there's Stunt Women's Association, there are women's stunt groups. But no, women generally are only inducted as lifetime memberships or honorees into the men's groups. Well, everybody just has to kind of... You could look at that as a fraternity and a sorority situation. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I guess everybody just like anything else. I will defend my stunt brethren in that. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, Everybody kind of has to keep pushing again, forward on it. Again, you mentioned one one thing that you do that isn't your main focus, and it shifts to that. And you kind of watch your your galleon sail into the sunset, and you go, oh, there it goes. You've, you've just been branded one of them and not one of us. Mm. So she's just a contortionist. She's Isn't she a stunt girl? Well, I hear she acts, too. Uh, let's get an actress. Ooh. But that's how I found you. I, I won't even say found you, because I had seen you in other things. It just didn't click until I saw you on Happen Leonard as Judy Punch. And now it's like, hey, wow, she looks super interesting. And I'm always oh. the guy that's like, where do I know that person from? And I run over to the freaking Google machine, Classic and I look guy. it up. Yeah, classic that guy. And I'm like, because uh, I want to know things. I'm a curious cat. And I always want to know things. And I look it yeah. up and I'm like, oh, I got to get her on a show. She is just simply incredible. And But I, you came on my radar firstly, at least to where I acknowledged it, as an actress. So everybody's kind of seen Bonnie Morgan through a different like kaleidoscope, right? That's the funny thing. And that's just it. If no one knows... Excuse the pun. If no one knows what box to put you in, it's a uh, it's kind of a danger zone. And yeah, you have the to truth. be really careful in how you navigate it. And I don't know. Yeah, I get yeah. Boxes. And that's the that same problem. with music. No, nobody puts Bonnie in a box. Else. Everybody right. puts Bonnie in a box. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Nick's I think had that problem. should name the episode. Nobody puts Bonnie in a box. <laughs> Right? No, that Nick's had that problem a lot. In a box. Um, you know, over the years, because we first started out just doing political shows. And then it was like, well, we don't always right. do politics. We do politics and we do interviews. And sometimes we talk to musicians and, you know, explore what they're doing. So it became like this like we had to almost kind of turn it into like a Hydra kind of thing. But at the same time. Okay. Like That's sometimes a good term. It, it is. Sometimes people will be like, "Well, what kinds of shows does you know Nick do?" And I'm like, "Well, lots." Well, of stuff. and that happened at the wedding, right? <laughs> like I was kind of a victim of that same stereotype before we started branching out. And I was at a dear friend's wedding. It's never poor Nick. My life is totally incredible. <laughs> but it, I was at this wedding, and people are like, "Hey Nick, what do you think about Donald Trump?" Hey Nick, what do you think about this? I was like, "Look, guys, I'm off the clock. I'm here at a friend's wedding. I just want to have a good time." And they got kind of like snubbed by that. And and I was like. Now I've been. I, I felt like I was getting turned into a caricature. Like, oh, here comes Nick, the political guy, 
And I was like, you do know I collect comic books like since I was 13. You do know I play in punk bands. You do know I have interests. I'm a family man and a father. And I do exist outside of the ignorance equation, right? But people were starting to see me in one but filter. And- you do. Just do What's- that thing that you do. Right. Just do oh, what just was the Dixie Chicks uh, thing? Just shut up and sing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and that, maybe that's why I take it so personally when I see people get online and they're like, oh, well, here goes Susan Sarandon again. Just shut up. Well, you'll still go see her movies, right? So what are you complaining about? She she has as much right to a political voice or any voice that you have. No, Like nobody says you're a plumber. You're not allowed to have an opinion on animals. You know, nobody puts like those kind of – so why do people try to put constraints on the arts? It's just – that's a pet peeve of mine. It really gets me riled up. And I'm not getting riled up this episode because this is the no politics fun episode. <laughs> so let's, let's kind of – I thought I was getting here. hold of the carpet on on some kind of senator something or other. I was like, I uh, – you know. Yeah, these <laughs> are the McCarthy hearings. Let's keep it civil, men. Steady as she goes. <laughs> now, pigeonholing – Pigeonholing is a very dangerous thing. I mean, it's a very, very dangerous thing to get pigeonholed into something either professionally or, um, yeah, I love that. Oh, so such sweet cooing. Um, either professionally or personally or politically. If you get pigeonholed and, and stuck into one box, that's, that's something Nick and I have talked about many, many times. It's like, politically, I don't fit into a box. When we first talk, started talking politics, he's like, I can't figure out which box to put you in. Now, he can't be put in a box either, but most people can. They're pretty much one side or the other and that's it but when people start pigeonholing you and you hear enough of it then you start pigeonholing yourself and then that cuts your creative ability and your your drive and kind of makes your view of the world and what you are capable of and what you can do very myopic so keeping your mind open and being able to do and dabble in different things especially like you do i mean you are all over the place doing great things in different realms um, it's very important for people I just want to have yeah. a scatter shot of creativity out there. I don't want to just be known for one thing. And maybe that's why I recoiled from the political stuff. We're having a true like redo catharsis here today, Bonnie. Thanks. <laughs> yep. She's going to bill us after this episode. All right. We got to talk about rings because if I don't talk about this and we've only got a few minutes left, like the fans will come up here on the mountain and freaking throttle me. So we have to talk about this a little bit. Be careful. They've got sticks and stones. They do have sticks and stones, among other things. Um, Spider walk or spider crawl? I've read it both ways online. What is the official name of that sweet magic you do in Rings 2 and Rings? It never had one. It was originally referred to as that bendy crap you do. So I was nice. thrilled that it was given any respectable name. Spider walk, spider crawl, for a while it was called the crab walk, which is completely out. I'm glad it at least got a, you know, an arachnid name. Yeah, yeah, crab walk doesn't work for me either. A, a fine title indeed. I'm honored to have contributed that to, to cinematic history. Yeah, and that's, once again, that goes back to Legacy, and I was reading up about the whole, how you came about being on Rings 2, or The Ring 2, I guess, and come to find out, they wanted CGI at first, and then little Bonnie Morgan comes along and just puts that to rest. Absolutely. Uh, Well, first of all, there were a bunch of people on that production who were longtime friends and knew me and what I can do. Uh, I knew Rick Baker already very well from a couple of projects, namely Grinch and a few other things that he brought me in on. And, um, 
Keith Campbell was a stunt coordinator, and he used to take me to Magic Mountain when I was like 14. So when this came up, of course, you know, it's the second installment to the major franchise. We've got to up the ante on this. And they really wanted something spectacular. And the CGI department had convinced them the only way you can get something no one has ever seen is with a computer-generated creature. And the studio loved that. But Hideo, the director, the, he's the Japanese man who directed the original Ringu, he said, I don't want that. That is I awesome. Want that. I, I want this practical. But his voice wasn't being heard because everyone else, you have a huge studio, you have a huge uh, vis effects department, and you have a lot of people who stand to have their opinions and aren't heard. And a couple people got together, and it turned out one was like, I know someone who might be able to help us out. And someone said, I know someone who might be able to help us out. And they both said my name. They went, oh. oh. Nice. I they went, okay, if enough people are recommending this one person. So they called me up. They were like, let's see if we can do something that they haven't seen, because we want to screw the CG out of a shot. Okay. That sounds like fun. I'm always up for a coup. And, um... There is actually footage that we shot in my living room. I think I still have my socks on, crawling around the floor. And I think that footage may even have made it into uh, the special features of part two. Right. Wow. That's good. That was fun. I got to do some fun stuff on that show. How long did it take you to kind of work out the now infamous spider crawl? Not too long. A little bit of catching around on the floor, uh... Another stunt coordinator, a man named Brad Allen, who knew me and knew what I do really well, he was actually in town from Australia or Canada or wherever the heck he was in from visiting, and he even had a hand in it because, again, when you have people who know you and what you do very well and you go, you know what, you're just kind of working something out, he was around anyway, and uh, it didn't take too long, but working out how to really get the leg through and hide the back leg was the thing, because they really really wanted it more of a crab thing, but it was the ability to move a little quicker and drag the leg through. Well, it is is just Which is not easy to do on a concrete well. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. And, you know, you were talking about Jim Carrey earlier, but I read that you also kind of went method when you were on The Ring 2 and stayed in character. (laughs) What's funny is not at all... Oh, that's just Hollywood hype? With the actors. What's funny is the people who said, oh my gosh, Bonnie was in character all the time, were the other actors on set who, I couldn't help myself. It's like offering a corpse to a vulture. They were around and they were nervy anyway, so it was, I would totally play with them in character so when they were around I would get very quiet and very creepy the minute they left the entire crew would start laughing it was like did you see that yeah you were very very Loki on that set very much a trickster I read a lot of stories about what old Bonnie was up to on the set of Rain it was on that set only of course I'm I'm, I'm never a Loki trickster anywhere else in my life it it only came out on, on that one yeah, I'm, I'm glad they brought that out of you. Okay, let me um, hit you up with this. I've got to ask you this. Please? 
because this is something I always wonder because there's so much passion that goes into people's work. When you do when you do the ring two and then you do rings and you feel this connection with I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly Samara Samara how do you pronounce Samara Samara Morgan yeah you build her from the ground up you feel this connection if for some reason you don't get ring four and somebody comes in and plays it totally different and kind of destroys the continuity do you as an artist take that personally and it kind of hurts you it pains you creatively or are you like ah that's my work now I'm on to this next thing. It would break my heart. It really? Would. I think with anyone, you definitely have a certain level of, I suppose it would be like a painter painting a painting, and then someone takes it and takes it from Impressionism to Cubism. You kind of go, oh, okay. There is a certain connection. I don't want to say ownership, but... Almost like you're the mom. There. You know, like it it's a child. There. You absolutely yeah. create something, and... Other people have other ideas, other people that have no connection to the character and just want to make it. I mean, for all I know, someone's going to want Samara to go through puberty and make her a hot chick coming out of a well. Oh, God, the hot girl. God only knows. The crazier things have happened. Jason started out as a little boy in a lake. Actually, started out as his mom, but and then he turned into a six-foot-five hulking man. I was never sure when Jason grew up, but it happened, and it didn't seem to bother the fans. But again, so much of it comes down to the fans. These are the people who gave it legs, who loved it and kept it and made it. So to a degree, I always hope that filmmakers, storytellers, do right by their fans. Yeah, and that's what I always oh, thought. Lord. And Fern, we had Margot Kidder on here not too long ago, and I kind of asked her yeah, the same thing her. about, yeah, she is an amazing, amazing Gosh. woman and creator. Awesome. And I kind of asked her the same thing about Lois Lane, and she was kind of like, ah, no, I mean, I, I did the work and I left. And, and she didn't seem like she was invested in that character. And I actually would think it would be more like Bonnie saying, where you 10 years, 20 years up the road, you still feel a connection, right? Yeah, because there's also this, because there's your version of it. Lois Lane was along long before Margot, and it's that way with certain characters, I imagine. Like X-Men. X-Men has been around forever. Oh, yeah. People get to give their take on something. And then the next generation comes and gives theirs, but it's very clearly another person. In a case of Samara... Who's to say that isn't me? Or who's to say that that wasn't Duvet Chase? I I would hope Duvet Chase has a certain connection to the role that she originated as a child. I hope she's proud of her work. I hope she's proud of the work that we've continued in her character. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, And also another thing that I watched, and I had seen this video before, and once again, this is why it's so cool that you get to be like all along like the webs of the ethos and entertainment (laughs) – because I saw this video years ago and didn't even think anything of it. And then I went back and Googled it and I watched the prank video of you climbing out of the TV at the like the TV <laughs> store, doing the Samara climbing out of the TV. And then there was one with the devil inside, kind of similar with the audience. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, we live in a crazy world. Aren't you afraid like some maniacs just going to like punch you in the head, get so scared? Ah! I mean, you have a lot of guts. You know, 
know, we we do have people standing by watching for that. And although I can't give specifics, uh, there have been, I won't say which one, people who became highly aggressive. There were people that became highly aggressive. I won't say oh. if it was for Devil Inside or for Ring, but uh, it happens. And, yeah. And especially, I have to say, I have to give props to anyone in like a scare maze because they do get hit oh yeah and those are people that are going there to be scared and people react to fear in very different ways like they did on those scare moments and you do have to be ready to protect yourself so people every time i get called in to do one of those i say a prayer i do because people audience are very unpredictable yeah, I can only the, imagine. You don't want the guy who wants to make his name for himself as the guy who punched out so-and-so. Right. Well, and the funny and thing is, is that there. stuff didn't even make it. Like, I didn't I didn't know that was aware. I figured everybody, after watching those videos, took it with a smile. But now it's kind of crazy to pull back the curtain and know there are people who did get aggressive. But I never saw that on YouTube. I'm sure that stuff is buried. And, and I can't say which one it was. And some people want to play tough you know what what is that scary am i supposed to be scared <laughs> oh boy yeah why can't people just have fun fern i sent you the videos and you had our you and same you were the same situation you're like oh my god mm-hmm. i used to show this video to you know her son nathan you were like i used to show this son to nathan and then here mm-hmm. we are a couple years up the road talking with bonnie and that just shows you how much of an impact you can have like a steven root have that impact Without everybody having to know the name and, you know, know, oh, well, that's DiCaprio's Titanic or anything like that. Right, Fern? Yeah, it, you know, it's really cool because that that Best Buy commercial, the prank commercial, I had seen some time ago, and I had actually shared it on my page, and I was like, this is oh, awesome. Now, full disclosure, I'm not a horror movie person. I think the last horror movie that I watched that really freaked me out was The Grudge, and I was like, after that, The Ring and Ring 2 and Rings, I was like, all kinds of note, because I can't watch them by myself, and if I watch it with somebody, they fall asleep, and I'm like, no, you can't fall asleep like this is scary as crap like this freaks me out the slasher movies the blood gore chainsaw massacre jason that stuff doesn't bother me but you know this type of stuff the creep factor is really where i start to sleep you know 10 feet off the bed however i i'm a huge fan of halloween like i love the, to do scary stuff last year my children's you know their their father dressed up you know really scary and dragged his foot the whole time that the kids were trick-or-treating the year before i went in um you know white face dark eyes a big toothy white black smile you know i tried to freak the kids out so one of us will go scary and I think this year I'm going to go as Samara. I have long, dark hair. I'm oh, short. Nice. And I was like, this has inspired me. Even though I have not seen the movie, I was like, I am totally going to do this because I want to freak the little kids out. Oh, yeah, it's just tiny. Yeah, it's just short and, and draggy and walky. And, yeah, it's great. There are those that say The Ring actually started the new genre of horror, the PG-13 creep show. Yeah. Which, until then, it had been slasher and this and that, but, um, yeah, there are a lot of people that credit the original ring with that title. 
And kind of bring it a full circle because we do have to get out of here in a few moments. But I want to bring this full circle back to your dad because I talked about this with you on the phone. And if I don't say it here, I'll be remiss. When I was young, I was obsessed with two movies. You know how kids get fixated on one thing. And for me, it was Candle Shoe with Jodie Foster. And it was the North Avenue Irregulars, which your dad, Gary Morgan, was in. And I loved the chase scene at the end of um, North Avenue. I loved the fight scene at the end of Candleshoe. But here's – I was thinking back on this today. Here's what's interesting about it, and I think this is what matters. This is the whole ball of wax. It's everything that matters in life to me as far as what I value. I hadn't thought about the North Avenue Irregulars in 20 years. I, we're having you on the show. I pull up the Wikipedia. I, I see Gary Morgan. I click on that. I, I see his body of work. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's so awesome. North Avenue Irregulars. I hop over to YouTube. Um, can't watch the movie because you have to pay. And I won't pay YouTube because, Fern, what happened to us a couple years ago? We got banned from YouTube, and they sent me this ridiculous list. Kettle of Fish, we have used to put the audio up. Got banned. We were banned in 198 countries, and I put it up on my Facebook. They sent me a list. We were banned in the South Sandwich Islands, which I had no idea. I'm actually pretty proud of that. I I think that's an accomplishment, Nick. I think we should be proud of that. I I think you got to dust off your laurels on that one. Well, trouble point. It, they wouldn't tell us why, and I, I think this is a pretty mild show. I don't think we're, like, doing anything to get us kicked. Well, I mean, we're lifetime banned from YouTube now, so I won't give them my money. We are even banned from the Indian Ocean territories. I was like, fucking pirates can't even listen to us. <laughs> like, they can't even YouTube us. We were banned and everywhere. pirates can't hear you, damn it, how are they going to know what's going on? Exactly. exactly. We are the pulse for the pirate community. So I'm very upset about that. But... I did go back and watch clips of North Avenue, and it just brought back and stirred back so many great memories. And I was like, you know, this is what it's all about. It's about making connections. It's about art being able to, like, just whatever. Even if you're having a bad day, you click on YouTube, you see something like Captain Caveman from your youth, and you're like, oh, man. And it takes you back. And 100 years from now, and I've told this to guests before, like 100 years from now, Somebody's going to be watching a Barney, uh, Barney, a Bonnie Morgan contortion act, like in a hologram in their living room. Some kids are going to be watching it, and I just think, even, I hope someone will be listening to this a hundred years from now, and that just means something, right? Like I was here, damn it, I, my voice was heard, and I really think that that means something. And coming from a creative family, I know you have to be on cloud nine, just kind of thinking back of how much of an impact you've had and how many lives you have touched in whatever way. I'm so honored you said that. I often don't don't wrap my head around that, but that is lovely of you to say. Thank you. Well, you're still working, of, right? At the end of any day, I'm glad you found me entertaining. And I think that's, nice. be it vaudeville or the Oscars, awards, call it whatever you want, at the end of the day, thank you. I'm glad you found me entertaining. Yeah, and people want to know more. When I saw Judy Punch, I was like, Wow, this she is very interesting. I know I've seen her before. I like I am compelled now to go look up where. And I think there's no bigger, I would say, satisfaction. I mean, if somebody saw a post by me and was like, Where do I know Nick Katsouris from? And they went and sought me out. Like I would much rather have people Google me and seek me out than just to already be known and like, oh well, that's that guy from that movie. Like I would much rather someone actually says, I've got to go find out more about that person than just to know who I am because my face is plastered on all these billboards. So once again, full circle. Yeah. 
I think it's cool what you do. Fern, I'll let you get the last oh, word because I'm a rambling fanboy idiot. I know you're fabulous. I feel the same way, too, because I've seen you, but I was just like, I, you know, yes, oh, my God, yes, I remember this, I remember this, I remember this, and then started digging into your dad's IMDb, and the cool thing that struck me was the great outdoors. He did the bear stunts in the great outdoors. That is one of my all-time favorite movies. I used to watch that with my dad. He was a huge John Candy Dan Aykroyd fan, so I was a huge John Candy Dan Aykroyd fan. My dad's my idol. He's my hero. I love him to pieces. No person on this planet I love any more than my father. I mean, I love my children, but my dad is, I mean, he's, he's given me a good moral barometer and a, a good way to look at life to move forward for a long time. And that nostalgia factor, the fact that your dad was in that, I was just like, how cool is that? Like, it's such a great movie and just brought back so much. And then looking at your body of work and it's, it brought back some stuff that I was like, yes, I've seen this. Yes, I know her. She's awesome. And also we um, have to mention that when we're talking about her being out there everywhere, she was the Flowbot, which is Flo's little <laughs> robot on the yes. Progressive commercial. She was the Sock Monkey. Um, I don't want to say puppet, but figure character on the Kia uh, commercials. Yeah. So, I mean, you've gotten, once again, your hands in a lot of pies. You just sent me a totally disturbing, I'm sorry, Fern, I didn't have a chance to send it to you. That's okay. Totally disturbing picture of yourself. I mean, these eyes are just haunting from Face Off. And oh, that was the season finale of Face Off. I was the, the ghost host who looked to me almost like the love child between Abe Sapien and Samara. It was nice. a props that you know who Abe Sapien is. Your credentials just oh, went up a thousand percent. Yeah, the the Doug Jones's character on Hellboy. Yes, it was a beautiful sculpt, a wonderful piece. It was wonderfully applied. Oh, and I do have to give props. The man who made Pennywise, Bart Mixon, was also on all three Samara movies, all three Ring movies, with me, as well as that face-off. And Bart nice. also put on one of my very first appliances for Grinch. So, oh, how cool. A, a great man, a great artist. All but, uh, connected. Yeah, that, was, that was one of Glenn Hetrick's pieces for his show Face-Off. And I have to say, you were talking full circle. When I was a kid, I used to go with my dad as his, we called it the suit tech, I would go with the cold air blower when he would have a bear or a gorilla job, and uh, I would help him out. You always need someone who's, who's got your back and is watching you and knows when you need air, when you need water. Just, you know, dad's little helper. So when I was on a show and he came to be my suit tech, I just looked at him. I went, wow, look who's holding the fan now, dad. He patted me on the shoulder. I became the son. I followed in Dad's footsteps in so many ways. It's so cat in the cradle. That's amazing. So I was cat in the cradle, except no one's ignoring each other. We're, you know, helping each other into some very uncomfortable creatures. When I was small, my actual first memory, this is going to be our longest kettle of fish ever, by the way. My actual first memory is when I was about four years old, we went to this carnival act and this guy turned into a gorilla and escaped from the cage. And it was a total vaudevillian act. And I got so scared, I ran off and got lost for like two hours. And my my parents were freaking frantic running around this carnival looking for me. And I was like hiding under some hot dogs stand because i thought the gorillas oh, no. were 
My very see once again reconnecting those memories. All right, we got to get out of here, Bonnie. This was a complete delight. Thank you so much for calling in. And before you go, you have got to got to tell everybody where they can find you. And I don't know. I heard you talking about you got signed on to a sci-fi series. I don't know how much you can disclose yet, but tell us what you're working uh, on and got coming up. Let's see. Uh, I will be appearing in the new Star Trek pilot. I cannot say as who or what, but I will be there. Is this and an exclusive? I'm, Is this the first time you've made that public? I'm not saying. I'm also mm. traveling to Canada for next month to do a couple episodes of a very popular Netflix show that I cannot disclose yet, but I'm very excited about. They're so hey. mysterious. Uh Anywhere you're looking for me is at Bendy Bonnie, B-E-N-D-Y-B-O-N-N-I-E. I think my website is bonnie-morgan.com, but I haven't checked on it because I am technologically phobic. I'm going to need to get some help with that. And it was a blast being on with you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and we so always much. end with a song, and I would bet money that you know who we're going to end with today. Uh-oh. Good old Uncle Leland. My Uncle Leland, Mr. Lee Presson, if you don't know him, you have got to find him because he is amazing. Yeah, he is. I actually contribute to his Patreon every month. Thank I you. I love Lee Presson. So we are going to end with some Lee Presson, but we will be back here next Sunday with the incredible artist, filmmaker, and writer, Carr Andrews from Renata Jones, the 1%, and the Ooh. last incarnation of Iron Fist, the living weapon, ah, the living weapon uh, graphic novels. And Bonnie, once again, it was an absolute delight. Thank you so much for calling in. And Dee, are you ready me. to hit some Lee Presson? Like a shrimp inside a suitcase lying on a window ledge Like a pair of cotton slippers and they're underneath the hedge Like a scoutmaster at daybreak putting peanuts in his glove Like a specially formed ice arch for climbing over dogs Like a sardine in a hairnet and he's staring at a priest These things you'll find constantly irritate our minds Like a sugar unicycle that's been ridden by a fork Or a bumbag owned by Jesus that can miraculously talk Like a lemon peel with sideburns fighting off a bearded crab Or like Bono with a tube top on the choir master's lap Like an elaborate eating system apparently in Kent These things you'll find constantly irritate our minds With an afro throwing sparklers at the Pope Like a family of foxes and they're glowering at some soap Like a lump of Nazi nougat marching down the avenue Like a Tudor vacuum cleaner saying how do you do Like a Spice Girl having sex upon a television set These things you'll find constantly irritate our minds